All right. It's for all my friends and stick am. All my stick am friends. <laughs> what up, my stick am friend? Stick my stick am fam. Friend. So, Tracy Scott, I so. think uh, I think all the people know who you are, and uh, this is my brother. For anybody who doesn't know, and um, I am, we're well acquainted with one another. But uh, I think our lives have taken very strange turns from where we thought they might years and years ago, right? Um, one thing I want to talk about a lot on this podcast is uh, our faith and our faith journey. So I would love for you to actually start with, um, you know, we were raised in a Christian home, just to catch everybody up. We were raised in a Christian home, a great Christian mom, a single mom with three kids. And uh, I would love to know, you know, growing up in that home with the type of Christian mother that we had, right? Because every mom is different. Every Christian is different. So with our family dynamic, our mom watching her faith uh, grow and develop and change over the years, um, but still be consistent, right? I would love to uh, for you to catch people up on kind of how you think your faith grew at home, but then transitioned uh, as you kind of got older, you know, as you became your own person, as you became um, somebody who wanted to be serious about the Lord and taking church attendance seriously and things like that, you know, and reading your Bible, you know, where it goes from this mode of like, I've always learned these things. I've always known these truths about God, but I want to try to know God myself. So I'd love to hear you talk just a little bit about kind of how that started for you when you made that transition. Um, first off, I'd probably say the example set in our house growing up was better than most. Um, I would consider our mom very devout. Um, one thing I remember, uh, for sure is I guess her consistency when it came to, uh, what was good and what is evil. Like she kind of always stuck to her guns and didn't compromise. And in fact, she always said that like don't don't compromise your beliefs you know what I mean and there were a lot of things that she wouldn't back down on some of those might have been uh things such as watching uh witchcraft on tv like Harry Potter and you know Lord of the Rings all these things that we weren't allowed to watch in our household um obviously things change as you get older and you kind of define for yourself like what's acceptable and what's not there's always a limit of what isn't acceptable um, but that's sort of different for everyone, I think. Um, something else I remember uh, specifically was how consistent our mom was with tithing. Uh, that has impacted me a lot even into today. Um, we didn't grow up, you know, well off financially. And so one thing I always did see is... We didn't? <laughs> yeah. Good one. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I definitely remember mom always being so consistent with mm. uh, tithing her money when, you know, she didn't always have it. And mm. it, it, it reminds me of, um, you know, the the lady in the New Testament when she gives like one coin or one penny or whatever it is that she has, you know, yeah. um, she gives that to the ministry. And Jesus says that she's blessed because of it, because she gave out of her poverty rather than out of her abundance. Um, 
And so things like that, one thing we saw growing up, I don't know if you remember or not, but because of that consistent tithing, mom would always say it comes back to you, you know, ten, tenfold mm-hmm. if you, whatever you give to God. And so there were times where we would just get tremendously blessed. Like, um, every, uh, every Christmas, her church mailbox, someone, she never knew who it was. She, someone would just give an envelope of money yeah. to like help out for the holidays and stuff with her having three kids and being single and or people um, show up on our doorstep with a box of food at Thanksgiving or yeah, yeah every all, all kinds of stuff every yeah. single year yeah family right. friends and stuff um even something else and this one is nuts uh one time mom was mom was praying at the kitchen table and I specifically remember uh it it was I I want to say it was uh, we needed school supplies or like it was a certain time of the year where we needed something and she did not have the money for it. Um, and she was at the kitchen table reading her Bible. That was her spot where she did Bible study, you know, and then she was praying about it and praying about finances. Um, and we got a knock on the door, uh, (laughs) and she went and answered the door. Um, it was some, Friends of ours, actually, can I name them? I name whoever you want. The Combs family. Combs. Carrie yeah. Combs. Yeah. Steve Combs. Yeah. Um, grew up around the block from them. So it was uh, Carrie Combs at the door, mm. and she handed mom like $300 out of nowhere. And she was like, hey, I don't know why, but uh, God just told me to give this to you. You know? Right. Um, mm. And when those things happen, like, not just when they happen once, when they consistently happen. Like when you grow up in a household for 18 years and you see a family get blessed, um, that certainly shapes uh, who you are as a believer. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that we're supposed to worship in, in spirit and in truth, and uh, the truth being God's word, and then spirit, uh, in my opinion, being having to do with our experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, there's, uh, a lot of people who base their faith off of experiences and then when they don't experience it after a while, they don't have anything to fall back on and they fall away. I've seen that happen. Um, so I think that those experiences are good. Like what we had when we're growing up and we see those miraculous things happen and prayers get answered. Uh, but if we're not careful and we're not in God's word consistently, like throughout our adult life, if we don't experience something for a certain amount of time, then I do believe that, you know, we'll possibly fall away mm. or whatever. Yeah, I think experiences, when you talk about apologetics and, you know, proving to people that God is real, proving to people why faith matters, why church matters, um, the strongest apologetic in my life for God has actually been two two pillars one of them i mean you can call it experiential i guess but um something can't come from nothing right so you could say well then god couldn't come from nothing it's like well for some reason god existing forever makes way more sense to me than uh stuff material matter just kind of was there and it's like well how was it there it's like well i don't know like you have the same conundrum but but you have that it makes more sense to me that God could always exist and then create everything. So that's kind of the first one. The second one is the amount of times that I've seen God provide for me. 
Yeah. Like to hundred percent agree with what you said. Like the amount of times we've seen random people show up, uh, in more ways than we'll ever probably know. I mean, you know, no single mom wants to put everything on blast every way that she's been helped. Um, but I don't think we probably saw half of what what God did through other people. And so that's, you know, that's another reason I, I love these conversations and want to have so many on this channel is because I've had such great faith experiences and such great church experience, but I know that is not everybody's experience and not everybody has seen kind of some of the miraculous things that we have seen. So as your faith began to develop, you kind of held on to that as well kind of what you'd experienced through the body of Christ, it sounds like, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think back then, I probably didn't think about it as God providing that way, but as you grow up, you kind of, you, you start thinking, how did I get here? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Hindsight, man. Yeah, and so you, you get to see miracles kind of in the past, and you didn't think there were miracles then, you just thought like, okay, a random person showed up with food, but it's kind of like being a parent now, at least for me, I understand that when you're strapped and you're afraid, that you can't provide a roof for your wife or you can't, you know, money is super tight. And, you know, especially with little kids, like, I just don't know what it would be like to live paycheck to paycheck. Like, thank God that, you know, I'm kind of not in that position in my life. You're not either. Um, but so many people are, and I think it changes your faith. So I think watching our mom grow up with such strong faith, um, because she had to rely on the Lord, mm -hmm. right? She had to rely on the church and the Lord, and um, and we did too, kind of as a byproduct of that. And so, yeah, forever grateful for people like the Combs family, the Wood family, you know, James and Lisa, uh, and all of them, and then and many others that we couldn't even uh, name. But as you took those experiences and and moved away from those experiences. You come to a place kind of when you're kind of the college age, like we grew up in youth group, going to church, you know, every single Sunday, going to youth group Sunday nights, um, even Wednesday night stuff, sometimes, you know, mission trips, uh, retreats, all of that stuff in like middle school, high school, kind of forced to do it. When do you actually think you got to the point in your faith where you wanted to participate? Like, because you thought this was real you experienced God. Um, do you think that was like elementary school, middle school, high school? Do you think that happened like more like after, like like college age type deal? Um, I'll say it like this. There were a lot of times uh, growing up where, like you said, we were kind of forced to participate mm. uh, or at least we had a bunch of our friends participating with us. Sure. So it wasn't that bad. Like right. in a youth group you like could ours, get it. It you was, could bear it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you get to do lots of fun things. Right. Like, you know, um, but I, I think I wanted to participate back then. Um, mm -hmm. Like I, I remember feeling God's spirit even in, in middle school, high school. Um, but there definitely was a point to where it was around that college age time, like you said. Um, where you really start to question things as you become a young adult and sort of live your life, uh, not completely outside of, but apart from some of the things that you, uh, grew up with, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like if you're not going to the same church or you're no longer in the same youth group, um, kids that go to college get exposed to all these ideas that they kind of are sheltered from. 
sure. growing up. I mean, just all these different viewpoints because um, they're no longer under their parents' roof and they're they're curious, you know. Yeah. They might even have professors saying certain things and, and mocking God. That happens. Mm. Um, but I I came to a point to where I got more serious about the truth, whatever that was, and it it was when I was 18 years old. I mm. I went to Bible college for uh, one semester. Um, school really was not my thing, at least back then. Um, so I came home. I was no longer in the band that I was in. Um, I uh, had gotten out of a relationship. Um, and then just started working full time. So there were, and, and kind of felt like a failure because college Mm. didn't work out for me. Um, so I was sort of, I would call it a low point. Uh, and I was like just really bitter questioning everything, got really hungry for the truth. And all of a sudden got all of these questions thrown at me, um, about scripture and about the Bible and like, how is it legitimate and all these things? Um, cause you have, you know, for as many people that, that we know who completely believe the Bible and back it up. There's way more people around us every day who are on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of them have arguments for it. You know what I mean? Um, and I had a lot of atheist friends that I used to hang out with back then. So that being the case, I just started questioning everything at that point. I was, I was 18, um, uh, maybe 19 by then. And, uh, there were some questions that I couldn't answer and that's, you know, scripture at least didn't answer the way that I wanted it to mm-hmm. or, or the wording that I needed, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so I remember um, s- like just diving into the Bible, seeking it out. Like if this was a faith I was going to live by, then I had to know why I believed it. You know, not just that I experienced all these things growing up and the blessing of God on our family. Um, but I needed to know like, I needed to know that the truth was true. Right. So uh, I went to CCC at one point and sat in Luke Erb's office with him, uh, the, the rabbi. <laughs> oh, Luke, I hope you see this. He's a gangster, man. <laughs> don't, anyway. inf- don't, don't inflate his head. Uh, don't do it. Um, don't give him that street cred, though. Anyway, yeah, I remember I, I sat in his office with him one day with a list of questions that I wrote out that mm-hmm. I was like, how, how is this possible? You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 was, it was like a lot of cosmic questions that I just wanted to comprehend God, right. you know, and I couldn't do it. It was like, like basically, how has God always existed? Yeah. Like, what was, what was before God? you know, and, and what was before that, like all of these things that it's just like, if you think about on a logical scale as human beings, like all, all we know is beginning and end in our, our world, even our universe, um, according to the Bible, even time, Mm. you know, like time had a beginning. Uh, (laughs) so you just start tripping out on these, exactly all these cosmic questions. And I was like, so all we know is beginning you know, cause and effects, beginning and end. And so I was just tripping out on like, how did God not have a beginning? Right. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. Right. And it's because, you know, eventually there's some of those questions that you want, like crazy new ideological answers to, you know what I mean? That just sound profound, but it really comes down to the conclusion of like accepting 
your own morality. Yeah. And that's what it was for me. Um, like how can a, a finite being like me mm. completely comprehend an infinite being? Sure. You know, like I, I can't comprehend infinite because all I know is beginning and end cause and effect, start, finish. Um, so it, it was just coming, you know, com- I, I coming good, around I have good to friends that. that say the idea of infinity is ridiculous. Yeah. Like the, of eternity past and eternity future. Like mm-hmm. that's just like bogus. Right. And in, in this point in eternity, like why did God choose this point sure. to, to create the universe? And, yeah. you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's t- too many of those cosmic questions that yeah. like you can't really answer. So do you but, think, but do you we think still he, have been given so much right. to prove what we believe. So do you think he was able to give you any answers that really helped you like helped propel you forward or did it, did it console you maybe that he didn't have exact answers for you? Cause like, how can you, how can you describe God's infinite being? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, no, nobody can really comprehend that necessarily. So did, did you think you got answers that you really needed or did you think you saw somebody who had enough faith without the answers that that propelled your faith forward? Maybe a mix of both. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that being over 10 years ago, I, I don't, I can't rem- specifically, I know, man, I'm getting up there. I got these gray hairs. I just cut my hair though. So hopefully you can't see them. We're not going to talk about um, but yeah, so, you know, he might've given me a couple answers that like really made sense to me, mm. but I think a lot of it was just like, Hey, you're, you're not going to ever understand every question that you have. Right. You know, like yeah. no matter what you believe, how true and concrete it is, yeah. like there will always be opposing opinions and there will always be questions in your mind that you're not going to have the answer that you want to mm-hmm. it, you know? Yeah. You might, wow. you might get an answer to it, but you're just looking for something a little different to ease you Yeah, and you might not get it. Right. I think when I find myself questioning, you know, my specific faith, like the Christian faith or, or even others, it's like, man, you know what? They don't have answers either. Like the answers to my questions that I have that, that kind of have almost caused shipwreck to my faith, like other religions can't answer them. And so, you, you know, you're really left with a lot of the same questions and the same doubts. Okay, what is this? This book was written by people, but was written by God, but was written through prophets. But, you know, people had flaws. And does the Bible have flaws? And there were books left out of the Bible. Right. About I mean, those? right. Yeah. And, and every, you know, the Book of Mormon has those problems. The Quran has those problems. Like, they're, they're just, oh, timer for the record limit. Dang, girl. Press Dang go girl. again. I'll press go again. Cheer, girl. You know we out here. Stop. <laughs> yeah, so I really think... Um, I don't think any of the other religions are, are good at answering the questions that I had. I want to I back up for a second. Um, before you took a semester, was it a semester, a year at Bible college? One semester. Crossroads. Um, you, there's a difference in our lives in, 
exploring and taking our faith seriously. And I think we all, you know, again, we get to that point where we have to decide is it's, it's not going to be our parents' faith anymore. It's not going to be our family's faith. I have to decide, is this for me, right? And am I going to take God at his word? Am I going to start living by a biblical worldview and biblical principles? And am I going to try to walk like Jesus? And, you know, even taking it a step further, not just am I going to try to live like Jesus, but am, am I going to try to make disciples of other people uh, in a good way? I say that in the best way possible, because even when you start talking about making disciples, I think that sounds really, really weird to people who don't have a church background or are not Christians. Um, but how has Jesus been making me like him and how can I help others continue that as well and live better than me to live like Jesus, right? The example he set. Um, but before that point, you took a weird turn into some things that you probably shouldn't have been in, right? In high school, same with me. Um, I think all high schoolers are trying to figure out you know, okay, my family has this faith, but my friends are having fun in this way and this way and this way, you know, whether it's like drinking or drugs or um, things you start dabbling in, uh, premarital sex, you know, anything that you kind of think is like bad, right? But then there are some things that are kind of excusable. It's like, okay, like it's kind of weird to smoke weed in high school, but it's okay to drink, right? Or it's okay to sleep around, but it's not okay to... Uh, smoke weed or to drink or like you kind of put up the, the your own set of morality and as a christian i think i found found myself and you found yourself too you know and i'll let you share what you want to share kind of what your past is like because um, i think that's really important for people to understand it's not like you grow up in church and then you're just like these you're trying to be these perfect people and um it's like no you're trying to figure out kind of through your actions what you believe and i think sometimes then it takes some maturing to figure out what your faith is going to look like in practice, not just like, because I would have always told people, like, even when I was, I was like a really, <laughs> I was just a, like a bad drunk, sort of. It's like I would get drunk Tell me about at it. parties and start talking to people about Jesus and things like that. And it was like, I would have some amazing conversation, like some of the best conversations I've ever had about faith and doubt and um, and Jesus were when I was just like, hammered at a party and everybody else was passed out and it was like me and two other dudes still awake you know playing beer pong or playing pool or whatever it was and so some of those conversations like were amazing now did they remember those conversations I don't know did I remember all of them I don't know right um, but there was something innately in me and always has been in me to want to share Jesus with people uh, and to want to see them um, I think at the time like go to heaven right? Because you kind of think through a lens of heaven and hell. Are people going to make it? Are they not going to make it? And that, you know, for me, that always weighed really heavy in my conscience because our mom cared about that a lot, right? Um, and so I think for you, as you started dabbling in different things, kind of like, what did your past look like? What things have you come out of? And how do you think you really kind of started to come out of those patterns of behavior? Again, share what you want. I can cut out anything with so. a sensor. No, I'm just playing with a sensor. Um, yeah, I guess just a lot of the normal teenage things. Uh, but the kicker about that is normal teenage things oftentimes are sin. Sure. It's, it's normal for everyone else, but sure. for being in a faith of any kind, um, it's usually wrong. Mm. 
Uh, so there's sort of a different standard that we're called to live by. Um, and I think in high school that that's hard to wrap your mind around because everyone else can do stuff sort of guilt, yeah. guilt free, you know, um, none of my friends had to have a guilty conscience about smoking weed or having mm. sex with their girlfriend or, mm. or whatever, because yeah. it's, it's normal, mm. you know, it's what the world does. Um, but yeah, some of the specific struggles, I definitely smoked a lot of weed, um, definitely, uh, was having premarital sex, um, that one, that one's really interesting. I remember back in youth group, uh, we were always taught um, the way that something like that could affect your future marriage mm. and your relationship with your spouse. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, back then we were kind of like, eh, you know, they're just saying that because they have to. Yeah, we shouldn't do it, but it can't be that bad. Um, I can definitely testify to that. Mm. I, I still think about that. I look back and I'm like, they really were not messing around, you know, like I, like it, I affect, have, it affected you. Absolutely. Yeah. I have fully experienced that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, kids listen to your youth pastors, <laughs> kids. Uh, um, and we had great youth pastors. We did too. Yeah. I remember one of the most powerful things for me was struggling with, you know, really kind of like drinking a lot, you know, kind of whenever I could get to, um, and you know, of course you're kind of living like, you feel like you're kind of living two separate lives because, and, and anybody in church, like who grew up in church and was active in youth group probably experienced this to some extent. It was like, you felt like, all right, like I'm fooling around, um, you know, I'm doing things I know that I'm not supposed to be doing. And I don't know if it was just a sense of morality at that point that like, hey, these are the rules and you're breaking the rules of your faith. Or it was like, hey, this actually like breaks the heart of your heavenly father. Um, and I think for the longest time, I didn't care as much about that one as I did. Hey, you're supposed to look like a Christian. So that was a thing, too, is like, well, when you get called out on being it's like, oh, I want to talk to people about Jesus. But it's like, well, hey, man, like I saw what you just did like in there. I I. I You've been drunk the last three nights. Like, what? What are you talking about? Like, you're not. You're not any different than I am. Uh, and I think that's a common problem just with the church in general. Is people, um, even as you get older, it's like, well, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. Why would I want to profess Jesus and give up these other things in my life if, like, you don't even seem like you are either, right? Um, but there was definitely a conviction that I shouldn't be doing. A lot of things but then having people you could talk to that were older it's like I generally like to be really honest I didn't care that adults were just like at youth group because I wasn't telling them what I was going through now I think I started appreciating them more um, as I got older and was able to actually express things I was going through and then not be judged for them like I remember you know one of our youth pastors um, I won't say him by name because I don't I don't think it would be right but um, you know who you are. I love him to death, really, um, would do anything for him. And, you know, he was one of those ones that I remember on a retreat. It was like, hey, how are you doing? And I honestly couldn't tell him that I was doing well. I couldn't even fake it at that point. It was just kind of like I had sat through church, I think, um, still drunk so many Sundays that it was like people have to know. People have to know, like my friends who I'm sitting with from youth group, sitting with them on Sunday mornings at church in like a big group, they have to know, they have to smell it, they have to know something, you know, is going on. And so, you know, for me, it felt like 
once I was actually able to break that open to a youth pastor who actually didn't condemn me, who didn't tell my mom, who didn't, you know, turn me into the police for some things that I had shared, you know, it was like, that was so uh, freeing and refreshing that he didn't say, hey, you really need to stop doing this. But to say, hey, you know, I went through that too. And I've been there. And I have no, no way to judge you. I have no, uh, no stones to throw at you. Uh, I just want you to know I love you. And I'm, I'm glad you told me, you know, and, and we can keep having this conversation. And, and, you know, I hope that you're able to come out of this stuff. You know, if you feel like, obviously, it has a hold on you, that's not good. So I think, you know, you moved on sort of from that um, into some different relationships. You got more serious about your faith. Um, I know that you have friends, obviously, that you've probably parted ways with over the years, um, as have I, that, you know, we're great friends, but it's kind of like you, you get serious about your faith or you take a different direction in life and um, suddenly you're just not hanging out anymore. Um, but you have some good friends that you have still stayed in contact with. I would love to know, um, do you think your friendships have had, have played like a huge part in that? Um, or do you think it's really just kind of like been, this is my journey this is like, I'm keeping me accountable. I'm, you know, what do you think about that? I won't necessarily say it's it's because of, like, me still being on this path of faith. I wouldn't mm. say it's because of the friends that I had back then because mm. uh, I don't hang out with most of those people anymore. Mm-hmm. A lot of them, you know, depending on, there was a lot of different circles of friends. Uh, a lot of them are that were in the church back then are not mm. now. Right. Um, maybe the majority of them. Mm. It's, it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I guess I, even if it's not, if it wasn't because of my friend groups that are still with me, um, I think it is because of the body of Christ in general. Sure. Um, the one thing that I always, Especially this last couple of years, um, I try to keep in mind that the body of Christ is there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not supposed to do this alone. We're not yeah. supposed to live this life or this Christian walk alone. Right. Um, and I think that I know that when people isolate themselves for too long, that's when it's dangerous. You know, that's when they start getting picked off. Right. Um, and I've seen that happen to a lot of friends who I grew up with who are in the faith um, it's like once you stay out of church for a period of time, it gets harder to go back. Yeah. You know, and I, I've even gone through m- mostly because of laziness, like mm. the, and this was years ago, but I remember going through portions of life where like we would fall out of our weekly Bible study or I would sleep in, uh, two or three Sundays in a row. And all of a sudden I found myself like not really having the desire to go to church on Mm. Sunday and get out of bed or, you know, like these routine things that you're like, ah, it's just like another thing in the week. I don't really want to do it. It's so much effort. Um, so I can, I can definitely see that like a lot of those friends I used to hang out with, they've been out of the church for so long and here and there I'll see him, I'll talk to him, invite him to church. Um, have a faith conversation, you know, cause like it, it's like, if you once believed it, it's always going to be on your mind. It's not, it's not completely, completely leaving. go away. You yeah. can act like it's not going to, you can act like it doesn't bother you, but like everyone contemplates 
eternity and life and death. Um, so, you know, I just have those conversations when I can nowadays. Right. You, um, actually I'm going to, I'm going to start the camera over because I didn't put a timer. So one of the one of the things I've always said about you is, uh, and I kind of joke with people because I, I like I even ran into somebody um, last week who said, like, oh my gosh, your brother your brother's a tattoo artist now. Like he, I feel like he can just do everything. And I I always tell them, my brother can master something in six months that it takes most people six years to do. You had jumped into, you know, sort of to, to move past like your early faith, you know, um, journey and everything. You had, you know, you were married, you started getting into uh, music production, but at the time you were working, uh, you were working at a factory, right? Yep. So you had worked at, had you worked at multiple factories at the same place? Uh, I worked at one place for about a year and a half and then I worked at Cummins for about eight years. Okay. So mostly at the same place. And then like third shift for a ton of that, right? Some of it. Some of it. The first year or two. Okay. Okay. So you eventually got hired on there. Um, you totally weren't satisfied with that. I mean, as I would say most, would you say most of your friends who worked there were not, like didn't quite want to be there? Oh, no one There's nothing to do with yeah, no one the place. There's nothing there. to do with Cummins. It's just like nobody wants to work at a factory forever, yeah. right? Um, like that's not their goal most of the time. But you started dabbling in a bunch of other stuff too. And so I say the skills part, like you kind of master a lot of things really quickly. You started in music production. Was that just kind of for fun? I don't even know how you did that. Between that and then your artistry and like tattoo artistry, did you just dabble in those things for fun at first? And then, or did you plan like, hey, I think I'm going to make a career out of these things. I want to, I want to kind of just like let art flow through these different avenues. So like starting with music, you picked that up several years um, earlier than tattooing. So was that something that you were like, man, I think like, let me just try this. Uh, for me reflecting on it, I think I needed an outlet because mm. I was in, I had done music previously, a different kind, sure. like being in a metal band. Um, music was something that I was very passionate about. I still am. Right. Um, but I, at that time, I needed an outlet, mm. uh, something creative, something to work hard on and build on. My job wasn't hard. Sure. It was just boring. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't want to be there. But I actually heard, um, I started music when I heard NF, actually, for the first time. A friend of mine at work showed him to me. Mm. We were sitting there listening to him at work. Um, He's going to hear this. And, so uh, my, mind what you say. I just want to tattoo him. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's hang out. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to send in this clip. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, so when I heard him for the first times when I started music, and the reason mm -hmm. why was because I, someone finally put into words uh, like certain ways that I feel. Um, and I thought about it, and I was like, you know what? I'm passionate about music. I've never 
necessarily tried to write hip hop music right, before, right. Um, but he inspired me to try it. So mm. like, I, I it was probably at work. I just one day started writing down thoughts and lyrics. Mm. You know what I mean? Really Freaking trying. Eminem, to, man. Yeah, I know. And and that's bum, how it. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> But, but that's how it starts, shot. man. You just get that little spark of inspiration sure. when you previously like have none. Right. You know, and at that time in life, I, you know, really didn't creatively. I was just yeah. trying to work that job and be a normal adult. Um, and so started, started writing music and then, uh, started making beats, um, with the program that I downloaded so that I could do my own music with it, not so I could produce music for other people. Um, so I, you know, started putting out projects and recording songs and just learning that whole process. Right. Um, and then that ended up leading me to, uh, I was so picky about my own music and it was just so like, so, um, mind numbing trying to write all the time when I didn't feel like it. Although, I, you know, sometimes I enjoyed it, but then I just got into the production side of it because mm. I really enjoyed even more just using instruments and making beats and tracks and melodies, you know, ac- the actual creation of it. Right. Um, so, yeah. That was the part I hate. Like, I hate the, the tedious, or- I hate part the of tedious it. like, orchestration. Like, even thinking about the fact that I'm going to have to chop up this podcast is, like, so daunting, and I hate like the just the little minute cuts and moves and you know it's yeah it's just so much and so you I mean I remember watching you do a lot of that stuff in the studio and just being like dude how did this guy like where did this come from you know and I think a lot of people felt that way too when suddenly you put out uh an album that I'll never oh my gosh I will (laughs) I'm gonna cry thinking about it because you we were sitting in Starbucks and you remember this too is the first time you let me hear one of your songs what was it thoughts and perspective <laughs> and i was like dude ugh. i was like how how is the like this is my brother he created this crazy stuff it like, was this crazy so music. bad no too, it's, well man. it's funny that you think it's bad because like you were saying you started getting really picky with yourself um and the quality so because i started getting a lot better over the right five years i was engulfed in it yeah so, so by you know album number three or something you're just like, oh, don't even listen to my old stuff. Like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so, yeah. And everyone else would listen to it and be like, what are you talking about? You know? And so, yeah, that, that was really interesting watching you uh, take that journey. I think it was really cool to be, I don't know, bro. I, I guess like part of that journey with you a little bit, um, just whether it was like album artwork or things like that, that I remember doing that were just so much fun to like, oh, I got to create this thing for him on top of this huge body of work that he's created. And then I think, you know, it took a different form when you're actually listening to, cause it's not like you can listen to a song and be like, oh man, this song is like, this sounds really good. But then when you start listening to the words, you know, you're, you're really pouring out your heart so much. So that our mom was so worried about you because of your music and the things that you were talking about. I think there's something to artistry that's really dark, you know, can be, but it can also be so uh, filled with life and filled with energy and hope. And, um, you know, I think artists sort of take on this vibe of like you kind of get stuck in this one sort of lane. But it also is very, very telling of how you feel and where your spirit is and where your heart is and things that you're struggling with. And I think your music was like super, super honest, um, which was really refreshing. You know, it's like there's several genres of music that 
you can sing a whole song, you can write a whole album, and you can listen to it, and you're like, I, I feel like you didn't say anything. There was nothing like substantive in this artwork. Yeah, honestly, and you know, I talk about this with people all the time, um, like because Eminem is so popular, mm. and NF actually is always compared to Eminem, right? Uh, for being having a similar sound, mm. um, but I've never liked Eminem because he doesn't say anything. Mm. You know, like he can say a ten thousand words in a song, mm. and there was no substance there you know what i mean like i've just never been a fan but then i'm gonna send this clip to him too cool that's fine man he won't care he'll Um, write a diss track about you he will yeah and he'll throw an f in it just give me some royalties for that's right the track being about me (laughs) pay me my money yeah Yeah. (laughs) but yeah um and then you listen to someone like NF and there's just so much substance and feeling yeah. and it's like, oh, I can actually relate to this and it sounded good and right. the beat was dope. Right. You know, like, yep. it's like, why can't more people do that? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. well, the, you know, I guess, you know, some of this transitions into like your music, a lot of it was, I would say it was Christian. Um, if you had to put like a genre on it, it was like Christian hip hop maybe, or I don't know, what would you call it? Probably Christian, Christian hip hop. Yeah. I mean, and some some artists don't really like to be put in like this box. Uh, I remember hearing uh, Johnny Swim. I, I love Johnny Swim. Um, I'd love them to listen to this too. But I remember hearing them for the first time and being like, "What in the world?" Like I feel like this sounds so different. The vocal melodies and harmonies were just like fire, right? And I was just like, "This is simple music." Like so much of it, but it's just like absolutely beautiful found out that they were Christians, but they don't like to like wear that on their sleeve exactly because they don't want to be roped into and like stuck in this box of like Christian music or like Christian artists, right? Mm-hmm. Because then, you know, you see you see people, you know, I would say like like Lauren Daigle and, you know, some people from like Maverick City or something that like as soon as you step outside this little bitty box, people start to say like you're not a legit Christian, you're a false teacher, you're, you know, whatever. Um and so I think it's really cool that people can create art uh, out of being Christian that doesn't have to be Christian art. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like it's like this label that's on it. Um, it's like I am a Christian and I make art. And so a lot of times that means you like, well, what do you mean it's Christian music? You're not, this isn't a wor- like a worship song. And it's like, well, that, like God didn't say, hey, only write worship songs or only write songs that are directed at me. You know, there's we put kind of these... Uh, rules around ourselves in, in the art world that I don't think God has necessarily called us to do. Um, me personally, I love worship music. I love, you know, writing worship music, leading worship, you know, from the stage. And um, that just like really, there are times I feel like I was just made to do that. And there are other people who feel like, hey, I'm a Christian. I feel like I was made to create art in whatever form it is, but like it doesn't explicitly say Jesus all over it. Right. And so when you transitioned into tattooing, I remember you were uh, starting to draw, right? You just started kind of doing some creative drawing and writing. You hadn't done that in a long time. You said you used to like drawing. Um, what year was that when you picked that up? How long ago? Maybe not um, the year, but what? That was tattooing? Yeah, or? three three years ago? Uh, January. It's already January. My my two-year mark's coming up. Two Two years. Okay. And then I started drawing uh, previous to that the year before. Okay. So I didn't grow up doing that type of art. So before I forget, 
so that everybody watching, all three people, um, what is where can they see some of that work, some of your your artwork? Uh, you can see it on Facebook uh, with the individual posts, mm -hmm. or if you want to see my actual portfolio, you can see it on Instagram. So is that Tracy Scott Tattoos? What uh, is that? Tracy Scott underscore tattoos, I think it is. Okay. Something something with Tracy and Scott and <laughs> tattoos, right? I get, dude, I get my emails mixed up, my IG I, yeah, handle, yeah, yeah. But then also stuff. Golden Press. Don't, don't you have a Golden Press? Uh, uh, that's our shop page for me and Liz. So Golden Press Tattoo. Golden Press Tattoo. So your wife does tattoo work too, um, which is cool. Like it's got to be really awesome to work with your wife for one, um, working with separate clients. So it's like you're not always directly working with each other. Um, at, at work, it's more of just coexisting together. Sure. You know, it's like. Well, that's some people's marriages all together. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm totally going to grab her and kiss her when people, Stop. people okay. walk out. All right. But, you know. Right. This is a PG rated. Uh, that's PG. I'm just playing. So, so when you started getting into um, tattooing, I think one of the conversations that you and I had had, and part of you know part of this channel is like, I get to have such great conversations with people that nobody else gets to hear. It's kind of like you would love to be a fly on the wall for some like awesome conversations that people have about their life and their faith and you know church and all this stuff. I would really love to know uh, two different things. So the first thing is. How do you think – so show, show your arms for a second. Just show off. See, he's hiding everything, man. Yes, my hairy arms. I don't think people are looking at the hair on your arms. They're looking at your arms. So your boy has tattoos all over the place, right? Show him the neck. Just show him a little bit. Yep. So how do you think your experience, like, being, like, totally tatted up – and, you know, Liz might have a similar experience um, – what do you think that's like walking into a church or like any any new place, but specifically at church, um, because that's kind of what these conversations are about. Do you feel people looking at you all the time? Let's throw in the gauges, too, because I know I've, I've seen little that's, kids just stare at you the, as you walk that's by. That's the bigger thing. That's the bigger thing. The gauges, yeah. Sure. Just because it's mo even more abnormal than tattoos yeah. in our culture. Right, right. Um, at least having them this big. Yeah. Well, they're big. They're they're pretty big. Um, but honestly, I guess since I'm so used to it and I grew up in church, mm. um, I've, I've always just felt home walking into a church. Now, I think for anyone walking into a brand new church that you've never been to, don't right. know if you know anyone there. It's scary. That, scary as crap. That still is probably like, okay, like... I don't even know where I'm going in this place, you yeah. know, like a little weird. Yeah. Um, but you know, any of the, the people that I'm associated with in our town or like, you know, the few churches that I've been to like mm. more than one or two, you know, I can walk in a lot of churches in the city and, and know people Yeah. and, and be fine because right. I'm just used to the lifestyle of being a Christian. Um, do you think people inherently just assume things about you? when you're covered in tattoos? Probably. What do you think they assume about you? I don't know. Prison? Hmm. Well, that it could be a thing. Tattoos don't look this good coming out of prison, bro. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, Let's be really honest. Yeah, I don't really know what they think. I don't know. Like, it's just so normal to me. Yeah. Like, when I see a tattooed person, I don't really think anything about them. Right. Actually. <laughs> you're lying. <laughs> 
No, the biggest thing with that, uh, now that I think about it, is quality of tattoos. Okay. I'd rather You're just a snob. I'd rather have You're so a snob now. Yeah, yep. for sure. Um, I, I'd rather ha- someone have no tattoos and look clean cut than mm. be covered mm. in like junk tattoos. Right. You know? Yep. No, that makes sense. And I've even heard other people talk about like, if you have, you know, people who aren't super tattooed, they'll say like, it has everything to do with the stigma in our culture of like, if you're covered in like really good art, like mm-hmm. if I'm looking at your arm and I'm like, oh my, oh my goodness, you yeah. know, like my eyes are going wide, like, because it's like an incredible piece of art. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's like looking in a museum yeah, at a painting or something like that. Like more of, you can view it as fine art and like, that's amazing Yeah, rather than, uh, you know, associate it immediately with like, that looks so bad and that person must be yeah. a piece of crap or whatever, you know, like sure. whatever people might think. You're, so. you're just saying out loud what some people think. Sure. For yeah. sure. Which, you know, that sucks. Like it, it really. Mo- mostly now the older generation, to be honest, like sure. tattoos in our culture now are so normal and they're getting even more normal. Do you think have you got any backlash anywhere? Like, did you do any kind of deep dive on, you know, cause we've talked about taking your faith seriously. There's plenty of things, you know, that the scriptures deem, uh, sinful or like just, you know, ungodly or unwise. Is that something you really weighed out? Like kind of before you went on this, uh, this journey to be a tattoo, not just to get tattoos, but to like be a tattoo artist. Um, did you consider that from like a faith standpoint? Was there, was there, were there questions that, you know, cause I know that the Bible in the old Testament talks about not getting tattoos, but then there's places where like, well, it says in the new Testament that Jesus will come back with a mark on his thigh that is like described as a tattoo. Um, where did you go that direction? Where, where was your head at? Um, so I think my interpretation of the scriptures, um, I came to my conclusion a long time ago when I started getting tattoos because mm. I knew I wanted to just be covered even before I was ever in the tattoo industry You're myself. An addict. I guess, man. I think it's cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and you know, this was 10 years ago where I did do more of deep dive type of things. Mm. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of the things that I found were, what people talk about when they speak of tattoos and faith and them not going together, Mm. I guess, um, a lot of that stuff is taken out of context. Sure. Um, a lot of everything is taken out of context. Yeah. And, and once I did the dive on those things, as far as like people, uh, marking themselves in certain cultures, uh, back in the day for the worship of false gods and things like this. It's like, well, if anything, I'm worshiping the one true God. Mm. Um, especially at first, all my tattoos were Christian tattoos. Like, it's like, why not start a conversation about my tattoos? And yeah, it's Adam and Eve on my arm. Let's talk about the Bible, you know? And so that's kind of how I thought then before I just got fell in love with the art of it a little more. Um, but along the way as faith unfolds, um, at least how it unfolded for me, I'm a lot less legalistic than I used to be. And Mm. I, to me now it's just all about like the intention of my heart. Right. You know, and it's like people back then did a lot of those things they weren't supposed to because the intention of their heart in doing those things, like doing those things had a purpose. Right. Um, sometimes to worship false gods, sometimes they were marking themselves or lashing themselves, Mm -hmm. um, for, you know, 
for the worship of false gods or sacrifices or whatever. Yeah. You know, it was like a bunch of crazy stuff. So maybe you could say I uh, focus on the New Testament a little more and uh, grace and intention of your heart and a little less legalistic as far as like the law. But maybe I take it too far. You sound like what everybody strives to be. I don't care. I'm not working until 5 tomorrow. Um, I'm going to ask you a few more questions. My friend is probably about to drive in. Cool. <clears throat> I'm going to have to figure out how to chop all this garbage up. So, um, just, I, you know, a few more questions... I feel like, like I said, I could talk to you forever about so much of this stuff, and and we've even had so many of these conversations privately. Um, but you, when you jumped into tattooing too, you talked about, uh, and and I think this should be the posture of every Christian is, you know, I'm taking Jesus to wherever I am, right? Like I, I just hope and I pray that people see some form of Jesus through me. Like I'll never forget, uh, just at a. A thing I was doing at an Indian reservation um, with Next Step Ministries, I would get to kind of preach at night these devotional talks to groups of students who would come in, and then they would write, um, we would write, and you might have gone on one of these trips too, where you would uh, end up at the end of the week, you would uh, write letters to people, like little note cards, and you'd stick them in people's um, little kind of mailboxes that they would have. You know, whether it was people in your youth group or people that were on staff with Next Step or whoever leading your trip. So you would, um, you would get to read these cards, and I would read these cards at the end of every week that these students would leave, and then I would never get to see them again. But the most, like, I, I've only pulled it out a couple times and read these cards, like, you know, in the past 10 years. Um, but every time I do, I just, I just start weeping, like, because the biggest uh, compliment anybody has ever given me is that um, I was the most Jesus they have ever seen in a person. And they don't know about me. They don't know about my life. They don't know, you know, they, they know what they saw that week and like, praise God for that. But, you know, all of us are taking Jesus into our workplace, into our profession, into our art, into the marketplace, into our schools, uh, into our homes. I'm curious, you know, when you set out to do tattooing, you specifically told me like, there's a huge way to minister to people like when you are tattooing. And this could probably be said for anything, you know, any profession, but I would love to know, you know, from you, how do you see that as a ministry? Because I know that you do, and I wouldn't ask you that to like force you to say like, oh, tattooing is a ministry, um, because I don't think everybody views it that way. Um, but I think that you do. I think that you view it as opportunities to be a light for Christ to people, whether that's, you know, you're directly sharing the gospel with somebody or hearing somebody's story. Like, what would you, how would you say your faith plays a part in um, what you get to do professionally now? Um, let's see. Because I bet you see some wild folks. Absolutely. I bet you see some super clean cut folks have that, some, you know, you wouldn't think have any problems in their life or yeah, anything like that. Um, so this, honestly, the intention behind it for me goes back uh, quite a ways 
Um, mm. Growing up, we were a, a little sheltered uh, as far as like what we could be, be involved in. Uh, we were sheltered at our house. I ended up getting into a heavy metal band, right. and uh, it was a Christian band. And that was back when <laughs> our mom said, all metal is the devil. You know what I mean? Like, it was, Couldn't understand what they were saying, so it, it had to be the devil. It was like that. Yeah, I know. It was like that. Um, and so it, it kind of started there for me as far as like, well, why does that realm have to be deemed Satan's? Yeah. You know, like it was God's first. Mm. Um, and so continuing from that, that's when my mindset sort of developed uh, within the thought patterns of like, as Christians, we are kind of uh, set apart in these places that are deemed safe, I guess you would mm. say. Mm. Um, we're we're told uh, not to, you know, I wouldn't say not to like associate with other people groups, but like don't surround yourself with people that will drag you down. You know, yeah. it can um, certainly be implied. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so because of that, I always thought that, you know, why would like our sole mission, the, the great mm. commission mm. in the Bible, like our mission is to take the gospel, which is inside of us mm. and has crafted us. Right. You know, God has crafted us to be who he wants us to be mm -hmm. and his spirit manifests through us in different ways, different in me than in you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, sure. uh, I've just always had, I guess, a different train of thought as far as, like, why not be the light in the dark places? Yeah. Um, why, like, should I should I work in a, a church or in a, some kind of legit ministry instead yeah. of be a tattooer, right. you know? Mm -hmm. Like, and if so, why why not take the gospel to the dark places and be mm. the light in, yeah. instead of just hang out where it already is. Yeah. You know, like someone has to do it. I believe that God has crafted me to not just be able to do it with the skill sets, right. but also like have the desire to do it. Um, and specifically talking about tattooing, that doesn't mean having a gospel conversation with all of my clients, mm -hmm. you know, like, at the end of the day, I'm passionate and driven about what I do as an artist, and I show up to work. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, you, you're, the nature, you're tattooing people for like 10 hours at a time sometimes, right? I mean, yeah. you've got to have some decent conversations exactly. about life, right? And, and exactly. just about the struggle and and the joy and, you know, everything people are going through. So, yeah, I mean, do you do The you nature of it is... You know, you have conversations with your clients. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think it like inherently fosters like just the nature of what's happening? Like you, you know, you're just together. You know, a lot of times putting like really personal stuff on people. Do you try to ask like what? Why do you want this tattoo? Or like what does this mean to you? You know, do people just kind of does that break open stories to hear from people? I mean, do they just like open the floodgates and and just kind of tell you way more than you? Want to know? Absolutely. Yeah, there's been cases where uh, I could have sworn people were just there for a therapy session, mm. but so that they could have someone to talk just to. Just to talk. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a like it's an honor to be able to be that person mm. that for some reason that's therapeutic to people. Yeah. Um, 
and there's a lot of there's designs all the time that have meaning to people you know it could be it doesn't just have to be someone that died and it's a memorial piece to them and right hard time they went through a lot of it is like uh a lot of people get spiritual tattoos and they'll mm. they'll talk about it right like i want this uh this chakra tattoo um with these different colors that mean these different things or um you know the zodiac signs are super popular and people <laughs> look to those things to you know guide their life and um uh oftentimes people have a really hard time after they go through divorces and they get tattoos because why not and it's their way of breaking breaking free from that or sure. you know it's just anything and everything that people go through like you can get a tattoo and it has some sort of meaning to you yeah um so i have a lot of conversations with people who will just tell me sometimes their life story if i want to know it but it's really up to me how much do I want to pry on some of it. Right. Wow. But I, I do believe that because of the opportunity to do that, like I have been crafted to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, like not everyone is outgoing or talkative. Like I definitely am both of those things. Um, and uh, I don't mind talking to people and, and getting to know them, you know. Yeah. That can be a great tool for the gospel. Um like I said, I'm not constantly like, I don't wake up every day and think, uh, okay, I'm sharing the gospel with my client today. You right. know, like I would run away a lot of clients, mm. um, that would make a lot of people not comfortable. Surely. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's not a comfortable thing talking about that stuff for a lot of people, but instead my approach is letting these things naturally happen as you get in conversations with people. Yeah. Hmm. And like, it, a, and like it's a funny, bartender. And it's funny because it tends to me just being who I am. Right. That's that's the whole, you know, that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm supposed to just be the light wherever I am and wherever I end up. Yeah. Uh, and just just be me. Not trying to be a version of you or no. someone else. And, yeah. and naturally being me, right. I am thankful for Jesus. Right. You know, like I understand I'm a sinner and I, you know, try to live my life that way. Right. So, yeah. I think uh, I think the camera died. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, you mentioned like therapy sessions and um, just kind of joke about it, but there there's probably just a lot of meaning in the fact that people get to uh, actually just express their heart to someone things are going through, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, I, when I think about that, I really think about something that Bria said to me, uh, my wife one time when, and she's a dentist and I was saying something about ministry and kind of, I, I don't think I meant to communicate this, but what I ended up communicating was that what she was doing wasn't as important as what I was doing because I was working at a church and I didn't even realize I was doing it, but she even, like, with tears in her eyes said, like, this is my ministry. Like, this is what, like, this is where God has led me. This is, this is my ministry. Like, I care for people, you know, and 
I think about the amount of people who do care for people, and it looks a little bit different than the way that I, you know, when I was working at a church, cared for people. So, you know, uh, something I know that you really do care about is, like we had talked about before, taking Jesus with you wherever you go, um, and, like, you can't escape ministry. Do you want to kind of speak into that a little bit? Because I know that's a, that's not, it's, it's a posture you carry with you. Yeah. Um, generally, I think that God crafts us in different ways with the passions that we have and our own personalities and, mm. you know, every everything about us that makes us different from someone else is given to us by God. Sure. So I believe that God's spirit is inside of me. It's inside of you. Um, and whatever we do in our professions or our daily lives, like our life is ministry. Yeah. You know, it's not just being in a church. Um, it's not just doing uh, certain ministries like, you know, even good, good ministries mm. like working at a homeless shelter or, mm. uh, you know, food drives, whatever you want to name when you think of like serving or ministry or, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Those are the things that I kind of think of. Um, the organized things, but it's like, no, like there's a, there's an industry that I'm a part of that just so happens to be like a very dark industry, Mm. um, where, you know, it's even less common to meet Christians in that industry than probably other industries. And it's literally my job to be who I am, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in spite of that. Yeah, like go into those dark places and just be me being a being a Christian or or, you know, being a tattooer and that being my ministry doesn't mean that every day I wake up and share the gospel with my client. What it means is I conduct myself and my business in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Mm -hmm. And I simply love people. I have those conversations with people. Sometimes they lead to spiritual conversations. And when they do, I'll you know, completely take advantage of that. Um, and it's awesome and I want it to happen more, but you know, conversations don't always go that way. It doesn't mean that I'm not still loving people with how I treat them, you know, and how I, how I talk, um, you know, your form of speech. Like there's, I feel like there's other ways for the light to shine to people than just specifically telling them about Jesus. Yeah. It's probably got to be hard, too, because you can get, like, drug into uh, areas of conversation that you actually are kind of like, probably should stay away from this. Like, probably don't have too much to speak into this conversation. Um, Yeah, man. No, that's so good. Uh, A friend and I, Ryan Fur, you know Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. Um, Check out Beardly Creative and Ryan Fur on YouTube. But uh, we had a a conversation recently about – how ministry is not just working at a church and you know a lot of times at churches we we kind of end up communicating to people you know through means of like you know there's this avenue to go into ministry as a vocation and a lot of times that looks like maybe like a bible college or like a seminary education uh and then suddenly like it's like okay god's called me into ministry which is kind of a wild thought anyway, right? Because everyone's, you know, so many people can say, well, God called me into ministry and somebody could hear them talk and say, nope, that wasn't God. Like, might've been the pizza, might've, you know, wasn't, wasn't God. Yeah. Um, 
and that's not to, you know, that's not to throw stones at people who, you know, God actually has called into something that aren't particularly gifted in what people think they should be gifted in. But, um, you know, I say that to say it's really common for us to subtly communicate that if you're not working at a church or in a parachurch ministry, you know, like crew or something like that, um, that you are not in ministry, that you're not a minister, that you're not um, supposed to be doing the same thing I'm doing, you know, if I'm working at a church, uh, and then you can't be surprised when people act like, well, you're on staff at a church, so you should do everything because you're the person that's supposed to do ministry. And it's like, no, 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 we're supposed to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And that's people who are working in tattoo shops and, you know, wherever else they might find themselves. So, no, I'm so glad to hear you say that. And uh, seriously, like, I'm, I'm just proud of, you know, the person that you are, getting to watch your whole journey. I mean, there are hours and hours of more conversations that I hope that we can have, you know, on the podcast and um, things, you know, that we can even dive into a little deeper, you know, if you're willing to talk about. So, um, with all that said, uh, I think the camera has died once on us, and um, I just want to thank Tracy for being here. Thank you so much, and uh, it is like 12.30, almost 1 o'clock in the morning, so uh, we're going to wrap it up there and look forward to Tracy's conversation next time, but um, any last thoughts before we close? I'm ready for round two. Let's go. Ready for round two? No, um, you really, topics. yeah, really just on that, that last conversation, um, I think that God's spirit is contagious. Mm. it's infectious, mm. you know, like I think that if you are living, uh, you know, if you are at all obeying God's call on your life, as far as mm. just the call to love him, right. You know, and to serve him right. and to worship him. Uh, I think that people can see that through who you are, through your yeah. speech, through your conduct, yep. the way you conduct business, you yep. know, like everything about it. Um, so the goal is just to love people. Mm. Yeah. Two greatest commandments, love God and love people. It's like really easy, but really, really hard at the same time. Yeah, but I think you do a good job at it. So props to you. I think anybody who knows you would say the same thing. So um, we'll wrap it up there, but thank you so much for being on. And uh, if you want to know more about Tracy and uh, Golden Press Studio where he works, um, his tattoo shop is called Golden Press Tattoos, yep. right, in Franklin, Indiana, uh, near the square. And so I would love for anybody who's interested in getting a tattoo to uh, check out Tracy, check out uh, his wife Liz uh, on their uh, Instagram pages, face- Facebook pages. You could probably search them under Tracy Scott or Liz Scott um, on either of those platforms yep. and then schedule appointments, things like that. And so it's what he does all day, every day. One of these days, he'll probably talk me into getting one. Been trying. And it better be free. <laughs> it better be free. And uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us today. And uh, just want you also to know uh, there should be more episodes coming soon. And I hope you uh, found this engaging. I hope that you uh, maybe learned a little bit something about somebody else's faith journey that helps encourage you to move forward in yours. Uh, Maybe if you're in ministry, it gives you an opportunity to hear a conversation that, um, hey, this is a real person who works a real job, who impacts real people who need Jesus. And so, you know, how can you help equip those people? You know, how can you help equip me? How can you help equip Tracy um, to do the work of the ministry? Uh, And, you know, even if you're not a person of faith and you find, you know, a tattoo artist compelling and uh, a perspective on faith, we hope that you uh, might explore Jesus. You know, that's my hope at the end of the day to represent him well and to share his light um, with the world. So with that, we're going to say have a good night, have a good morning whenever you're listening, but we'll see you later. Peace.